0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of our Members Mailbag podcast. The podcast right here on the Chronicles of Aguna that is dictated and driven by our members' questions. Really, really looking forward to it. As always, some great questions in the mix, and I can't wait to dive into some of them. Big hello to those of you joining us in the live chat at the moment. I can see there are plenty of you with us. Hope everybody is good. Hope everybody is keeping well, and I uh, hope everybody is uh, managing, If you, particularly if you're in London, uh, to avoid the rain. I got soaked yesterday. Soaked on my way to work. You know them ones where you you leave the house and you immediately realize that you've worn the wrong footwear and you just know that you're going to come home with wet socks. It was one of those days. Yeah, not good. Not good at all. As I say, uh, this is the Members Mailbag Show where we will be taking your questions. The questions submitted to me via Uh, our discord server which is exclusive to members only so in order to get involved in the mail uh, members mailbag show and what I mean by get involved is have your questions uh, tackled by me you need to be a member of the channel so if you'd like to do that you can click on the link in the description membership is only available via YouTube at the moment so please do come over, check that out. And we'd love to have you guys uh, on board. Uh, Also, subscribe to the channel if you are watching us via YouTube, because we're closing in on 19,000 subscribers. And I'd love to start pushing for that big goal of 20k, which we've set for the end of the season. So please do get involved. Hit the like button too, as well. That really, really does help. Now, before we dive into the questions, before we uh, get right into the thick of it, I cannot stress enough, how much you need to use the general chat bit in the Discord server for general chat. Um, I know that conversations spark off off of the back of some of those questions uh, that you guys have been dropping in and it can quite easily lead to a thread of tons of messages, but it just makes it take an age for me to go back through it and take out the questions uh, for the show. So I'm politely requesting um, that you guys uh, leave the members mailbag channel on the Discord server strictly for questions And anything else you want to talk about, which you know I'm a big fan of, go ahead, um, It is done in the general tab. Then that way, I don't have a a hard time picking up the questions. But let's get into some of those questions. Let's do it. Um, And let's start with this one uh, from Creambone66. He says, Harry, I will keep asking this question until you stop ducking it. I didn't realise I was ducking this one. Uh, He says, who are your three favourite celebrity slash famous gooners that you'd love to have a drink with and talk Arsenal? It's really interesting because if I did duck this one, unintentionally, of course, then it was because I couldn't think of an answer off the top of my head. And I still can't think of an answer. I sat and thought about this this morning when I was kind of pulling the questions out of the, the members mailbag Discord channel. And I and I still can't come to a conclusion. I think someone who I'd actually quite like to sit down with, and this is going to be massively controversial. I know it's going to probably piss a few people off, is Piers Morgan, because I just find his opinions and views on Arsenal outrageous and so far off the mark, more often than not, I'd actually like to sit down and have him explain some of those to me. I think that'd be an interesting conversation and I'd quite enjoy, I think, putting him in his place uh, on that. So yeah, he'd he'd be one of them. Um, In terms of celebrities, I'm not really Massively big on the whole celebrity thing. I think I'd rather sit down with some ex-players. I think I'd rather sit down with people who were in and around uh, the club at the time of of great success, at the time of um, you know Arsenal's peak. So I think I'd rather sit down with ex-ex ex-pro- players, ex-pros, um, you know, ex-staff. I-, I think I'd really like to sit down with Arsene Wenger. That for me would always be the number one. I'm I'm always fascinated by the way his kind of football mind works. And I'd love to sit down with Arsene. Um, but there are a few characters that you look at and you think they'd probably be a lot of fun as well. I, I'd really like to sit down with Cesc Fabregas, with Robin Van Persie. Um, you know, I know that the way they left the club wasn't ideal and I know that their reputations among the Arsenal fan base have taken a huge battering, but I'd like to hear their side of the story a little bit more on that. I think that would be fascinating. Uh, so yeah, I think I'll go with those names, but it's not an easy question, which is why if you feel like I've been ducking it, uh, that's probably why I probably couldn't think of an answer in terms of celebrities. I mean, fire some names at me who are celebrity Arsenal fans. I know Dermot O'Leary is a big Arsenal fan. Um, I think he's quite cool. Um, Steve Stone says her majesty queen Elizabeth. Yeah, I'd sit down with the queen. Why not have a good old chin wag with uh, her Royal Highness about the Arsenal. That'd be interesting. Uh, uh, who else have we got in there? Um, Ian Wright's on the list for some people. I think Ian Wright is uh, is up there. Alan Davis as well. Interesting, interesting people. But yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not really massive on the whole celebrity thing. Like I'd, I'd rather sit down with ex players and and people who were there in the thick of it at the time. Uh, Adam Daniel says me. Stefano Lorenzo says Idris Elba. That's a good shout. I forgot that he was an Arsenal fan. That's a really good shout have a drink with Idris, go out on the lash with Idris, go on the pool with Idris, should be uh, pretty successful. Uh, But brilliant question, mate. Thank you so much. Uh, Last week, we were talking about fish finger sandwiches and um, whether they're better than bacon sandwiches. That was one of the questions that was thrown in the chat, and that sparked a lot of debate in the chat box. Which is better, a fish finger sandwich? or a bacon sandwich and for me there was only one winner and this week I've been asked by Noah Daniels uh chicken nugget sandwich or a chip butty I'd always say that a sandwich with meeting it meat in it sorry for me personally is is more fulfilling so I'd lean towards a chicken nugget sandwich but chip butties are good as well um with ketchup and um and the right type of bread that listen that's so key in making a good sandwich, is having the right type of bread, fresh bread. Uh, I like thick bread. Um, so yeah, I think the bread so often makes it. Let's move on to this one. Uh, this one comes from Moss, who says, uh, "So Harry, is it A.K. Larnaca, Apoel Nicosia, or one of the Limassol clubs uh, for you?" So as you guys will probably know by now, I'm from a Greek Cypriot background, um, and Moss is, has done some digging uh, into. Uh, into some of the clubs over there. And he's he's basically asking who it is that I would back in Cyprus. For me, it's uh, Anorthosis. That's my team. Um, That's the team that I claim to follow, claim to support. Look, if they're playing, I I, I want them to win, Um, you know, and and I prefer them to win over anybody else. But I'm not massive on Cypriot football. I I just don't have the time to support Arsenal and put all the time and love and effort and emotional investment uh, that I do into Arsenal and then on another side as well. So Cypriot football, it's not great. Um, You know, it's got better in recent years, I would say, but it's still not really for me. But if somebody asked me who I support, that's the team I'd go with. And I can see that's already upset Alex in the live chat. This is a really, really cool uh, question from Joe Kerr, who says, if you could change one single moment in the Arsenal timeline from the 2016 season up until now, what would it be? It could be a transfer, a refereeing decision, an appointment, a departure, a sending off, whatever. But it just needs to be a single moment. And I thought about this because there's obviously been a few things that have been shit. You know, since that period in time, I mean, if you think back to, um, you know, if you think back to the Europa League final under Unai Emery, that was that was a real low, you know, to play against the London rival, um, a team who we've had a rivalry with for, for many, many years a team whose fans you're going to come across on a day-to-day basis to go all the way out to Baku and watch us put in such a kind of weak performance and, um, you know, abject performance and, and ultimately get battered in a in a major European final was, was a low. It was a real low. And, you know, we'd lost finals under Arsene Wenger before. We lost the Champions League final. Uh, we lost the um, UEFA Cup final back in 2000 against Galatasaray. I remember that one very, very well so there's been disappointments in finals and and that but you're asking me after 2016 so yeah look it it was a disappointment but it was a one off game that the players simply didn't turn up in and and contrary to what people think because a lot of people had this view and opinion of me that I'm just so anti Unai Emery that I could never give him any credit for anything and that I hold him solely accountable for everything bad that happened during that period he was at the club that's actually not the case I look at that Europa League final and I don't blame Unai Emery for that I don't think Unai Emery set us up in a way that was any different to what I would have done at the time and therefore for me to sit and criticise him would be hypocritical Um, I I think at the time he, he, he made the right calls he made the right decisions based on what was available to him but the players just didn't turn up and and so I'm struggling to kind of, you know, you're talking about a moment and the moment is is a moment. It's not an entire match. It's not an entire campaign. So although if I think back to 2016 and, and what's happened between now and then, my worst kind of moment was that and, and the worst feeling I had was that. I think if you're talking about a specific decision um, that has left the club, in a really shit position off the back of it. I'm going to go with something else involving Unai Emery. And that was when the moment he handed in that team sheet, when Arsenal were beaten 3-2 at home by Crystal Palace towards the back end of that season. And I think that was the game that ultimately put us in a really difficult position in terms of trying to achieve Champions League qualification. If I could go back and grab that team sheet out of Unai Emery's hand, cross out a few of those names and replace them with others and hand it back in, I think I'd be saving Arsenal a lot of heartache and a lot of drama. And I think one of the big problems that Arsenal have had is when Unai Emery was brought into the club, it was very much of the opinion, uh, or sorry, it was very much with the intention that he would come in and restore our Champions League status immediately. You know, you look at him, experienced coach, someone who's won plenty somebody who was or is a specialist in the Europa League which obviously at the end of that kind of tournament is a is a place in the Champions League I think Arsenal looked to him and thought well this guy could do it now as opposed to you know the 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 kind of longer term approach that we've decided to take since then but I think he he made a, a real error when he decided to disrespect Crystal Palace and disrespect the Premier League in order to to prioritize the Europa League and and why? Because at that point when both were up for grabs, it, it would, the margins were too fine. You know, it was too it was too risky to say we're going to put all our eggs in the Europa League basket when you knew that Chelsea were probably a better side than us on paper. Um, you know, and there was a good chance we could meet them in the final. You knew that that the league. You know, could throw up surprises as well. I just think it was so naive of Unai Emery to think that we could take a game against Crystal Palace in the Premier League at Emirates Stadium lightly, and I think that was something that he probably learnt from immediately. But it was just one of those decisions. It was kind of a a moment in his career where I thought he just he just completely copped it up, and 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 so for me, the moment that I would change is that moment or that decision to kind of disrespect that competition because disrespect that particular fixture and the competition because ultimately we missed out on a uh, on getting through um into the Champions League by like a point so Arsenal had they got back in the Champions League quicker and sooner rather than later I don't think would have then gone on the downward spiral that continued after that because I think the longer you're out of it the harder it is to get back in it. I think the longer you're out of it, the longer you're having to operate with a smaller budget, the longer you're having to to spend additional time convincing people that Arsenal is the place for them because of a lack of Champions League football. And And obviously, when you're out of something for a while, in people's opinions and in people's minds, they start to think, well, there's a possibility that this could be permanent. Whereas if you're out of it for a couple of seasons and you bounce straight back and you get back in and you make a statement and you make a point, you can then continue to move forward again. And so I say all the time that the longer you're out of the Champions League, the longer you're without the finances that come with that and the longer um, you're not seen in that light in terms of your status as a football club, the more difficult it is to recover from that. And, And I think that Unai Emery, would have led Arsenal back to the Champions League, one way or another. Had he not disrespected Premier League fixtures in it, and I think the Brighton game where we also dropped points at home was was obviously uh, key in that as well. But Crystal Palace was the one where I turned up at the Emirates and I went, "No, you must be kidding me! Like, have you not watched the Premier League? Like, do you not know?" that in this league, more than any other league, teams are capable of turning up on their day and causing you problems and upsets are a thing. And I just thought that that was a real crossroads moment for me. And that was a moment where I, okay, we went into the Europa League final and I thought that, you know, Emery could redeem himself by winning that and all would be forgiven and all would be forgotten. But as someone who was doubtful about Unai Emery and had their reservations about him prior to that period in the season, I think that that plus the way we lost the Europa League final and then the way we started the next season was uh, was was enough for me and was enough for me to say, no, not interested in this guy anymore. Let's move him on. So that's what I would change. I would, I would go back in my time machine. I would jump in front of Unai Emery as he's about to put that team sheet in and grab it off him and tell him, what are you doing, Unai? Change it. Change it um so that's the one for me a really good question joe i love those uh i love those kinds of questions um this is a really really interesting one as well and it's with regards to the invincibles of course our much loved and adored invincibles harry with regards to the invincibles that we remember with great affection bearing in mind the competition at the time did they in fact underachieve and that's from steve stone i don't think they underachieved in the league you can't say that because they they won the league and they won it by going the season unbeaten when you look at that you know 26 wins and 12 draws could they have done it in more style for example you know they're not going to hit or they didn't hit the points tallies that Manchester City have hit that Liverpool even hit the year where they um you know where they narrowly missed out so in terms of points tallies they could have done more but i think it's it's picky or it's being picky to say that that they underachieved in the league because, yeah, they could have put more points on the board. Yeah, there were some performances towards the end where you're like, mm, you know, are they on holiday? What's going on here? But I, I just think overall the league thing was, was brilliant. It was sensational and they've gone down in the history books and that may never, uh, ever be replicated. So I don't think in a domestic sense, I think... On the continental stage, though, they certainly did. I mean, that was the year that we got dumped out by Chelsea with that Wayne Bridge goal uh, at Highbury Stadium. But, you know, that was as good as our, a gooder Arsenal side as I've ever seen. <coughs> oh, I beg your pardon. Sorry. I didn't get to the mute button in time. Uh, that was as good an Arsenal side as, as I've ever seen. And to know that the Champions League panned out the way it did, you know, Chelsea... Um, ended up getting knocked out by Monaco, I think, in the round after. And then it was a Porto-Monaco final. And you were just sitting there looking at that going, that could have been ours. That could have been our moment for European glory. So I don't want to go as far as saying that the Invincibles underachieved, because as I say, the fact that we talk about them in that light alone uh, says it all. But to miss out or to not at least progress further in the Champions League was um, it is something that I'll always look back on. Uh, For that season and and feel a bit of regret towards. Yeah. Um, So I I think there is validity to that question and there is validity to that point. You know, we could have done more. We could have achieved more. It wasn't to be in the end. But um, yeah, when I look back at that season, that's my kind of one regret and thing that hangs over me. Uh, Let's move on. Uh, Where do you think Gabriel ranks in terms of the Premier League centre-backs? I got grief for saying he was top five, but he's our best centre-back since Colo. A leader, commanding and good on the ball. Very underrated still, in my opinion. That one comes from Sam Tonks. Hope you're well, mate. I think that he does um, have the potential to go on and be an elite centre-back. Um, I think at times he looks like an elite centre-back and at times he can still look a little bit rash and a little bit raw. But ultimately, um, I think that that he's on a, on a kind of upward trajectory that we need a lot of these kind of young players to be on uh, if we're going to push forward and if we're going to continue our development. We almost kind of need everybody to kind of click into the same kind of mode and we need everything to come together for us to really maximize the young talents that we've got at the football club but he's certainly up there you know he's certainly up there among uh, among the premier league's best i think he's in i think he's in probably the top 7 top 6 maybe um i, I think we as arsenal fans appreciate him more a lot more than rival fans do. And I know that's often the case, right? You appreciate your players more because you watch them every single week. Like, for example, a Manchester City player will probably wax lyrical about Bernardo Silva right now, even more than we would. We all know he's a great player, but he's in unbelievable form at the moment. And so Man City fans will be right across that. I think sometimes, though, when it isn't your player and you don't have a a positive preconception of them and a positive... Uh, sort of outlook on them, just by default, then you can miss players like Gabriel and they can go under your radar a little bit. And people might look at some of the rash moments. People might look at the red card he got against Manchester City, for example, and think, well, this guy is still a bit rough around the edges. But I think if you watch him week in, week out, you have to put him in the top seven, eight centre-backs in the Premier League. And I think there will come a point, as there often is with so many players, where the media cotton onto it. And I mean the wider media. I mean, people who are not specifically focused on covering the Arsenal will start to comment about his performances. And then that starts a bit of a wildfire, which then spreads across the world uh, of of kind of football media. And everybody starts picking it up. And then people go, you know what? He is a good player. Sometimes you need that performance in a higher profile game. Sometimes you need that moment that makes everybody else outside of the Arsenal world kind of stand up and and look at the player. So I think he's right up there. I'm really excited about him and where he can go, how he can develop, how he can move forward. Uh, So, yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, He continues on that upward trajectory and continues to be brilliant for the Arsenal. Great question, that one, Sam. Uh, Let's take this one from pm Wanguna. Would you pick Brereton Diaz or Isak? Brereton is out of contract in the summer is scoring regularly at international level and won't need time to adapt to English football, although Isak has the potential to be amazing. I jumped on the Brereton-Diaz hype train a couple of weeks ago, but I'm not at the point where I'm going to put him ahead of Alexander Isak in terms of who I'd like to see come to the club. Yes, there is an argument and a case to be made that Arsenal need more than one striker, and so why not? Uh, look at both of those. If Brereton Diaz is out of contract, that means that you can pick him up on a free transfer, which financially uh, looks good, particularly given that Arsenal are about to post some serious losses on their next um, financial figures report. I, I, I like Brereton Diaz, but I, I'm always wary of players jumping up from the Championship to the Premier League. I always think that there is, there is a, a much better, bigger gap to bridge than some people would have you believe yeah the championship is a tough competitive league it's a slog it's really uh difficult for people to get out of that division it's really hard for people to um you know to maintain their levels given that you play what 46 games in the league alone but I I do think there's a big drop-off in quality and I think that I've gone on here before and said that I've been kind of worried and reluctant to see Arsenal blow vast amounts of money in players who hadn't really done enough at the highest level just yet. And I think that that risk is not there with Brereton Diaz because of the financial side of it. You know, you don't have to go and pay £40 million pounds in the way you would have had to pay for Emi Buendia, for example, who has picked up in recent weeks, by the way, but I still think overall this season hasn't done enough to warrant what Aston Villa paid for him. There's always the risk that that gap is is too far to bridge for some of these players. And, and Alexander Isak, yeah, you know, his goal-scoring record's not been great this season, but I think anybody who watches Real Sociedad, and I've spoken to a lot of people who have watched him a lot closer than I have, ever since that link really kind of caught fire, who say that it's a, he's so effective, he's so impactful in games, that it's almost a bit of a mystery as to why he hasn't scored more goals. But his impact on the team is clear to see. What he brings to the table is clear to see. So I, I still believe that although Brereton Diaz could come in and, and, and do something and be part of the squad, and I do believe that we need more than one centre-forward, I think that If Arsenal want to aim for the top, they need to be aiming for the top in terms of players and they need to be uh, looking for players who, unfortunately, are going to cost a pretty penny. Um, But that's just the way it is. They only cost that much because they have something about them and they're, they're rated and there is a reputation there. And so, naturally, clubs are going to want to cash in as much as possible on some of their brightest and uh, and most, uh, you know, valuable assets. But, yeah, look, I'd go Alexander Isak over Brereton Diaz, obviously. I've gone around the houses in answering that, but that's obviously my view. Um, but I like Brereton Diaz, but I don't know if I like him more because I've jumped on the hype train of him scoring goals for Chile and all that and, and stuff more so than... Um, than what I actually see. Because, look, I haven't watched him a lot. I've uh, seen a couple of games this season in full and some highlights. But, yeah, he's an interesting player. That's for sure. Let's see uh, what else we've got uh, in the uh, members' mailbag this week. Let's take this one from F 32 who says, Seeing as the squad is all fit now, what are your predicted points tallies for the next five games against Brentford, Wolves, Watford, Leicester and Villa? I think 12 points is realistic here. I think 12 points would be a very, very good return when you consider that Manchester United, despite winning last night, have dropped four points uh, in the space of a week in games that they should never have been dropping points in. When you consider that Tottenham have dropped points as well and that Wolverhampton Wanderers, I expect, will probably drop off. I also think the same about West Ham and that might be an unpopular opinion. But I just think that you know, this team, this Arsenal squad, it's this Arsenal group, it's not perfect. The manager's not perfect. There's a long way to go before we're kind of looking at every single game and going, yep, we'll win that, we'll win that, we'll win that, we'll win that. We're not at the point where we're going to put those runs together just yet. And so we need to stay semi-consistent. Whoever stays semi-consistent between now and the end of the season, will finish in the top four because the door has been left wide open. I believe at clubs like Manchester United, there are deeper problems than the ones we have. Now, I know that they have some world-class talent and they have players who are capable of making the difference. You saw that from Cristiano Ronaldo last night. But I still think the problems at Manchester United run deep there with regards to the manager, they're with regards to the lack of direction from above, there with regards to the culture within the group. You know, it, for me, the as I say, the problems there are much bigger than any problems that we have. I feel like we've done a good job of moving on from our problems and it's been painful in the process of, it was always going to be but i just think that um that i just think that the arsenal are in a good place at the moment i think that you know and and the results won't always reflect that because we're not quite there as a team yet but i think in terms of the atmosphere and the environment and pep guardiola talks a lot about that doesn't he, he talks about the environment i have to create the right environment and then the talent will do the job and i think that's um that's a, a mantra that Mikel Arteta appears to have kind of bought into as well. So, yeah, I'm going to say um, that you know a 12 point return, I'd be very happy with that. Uh, I really, really would, um, and I think that would stand us in good stead. But yeah, this team is not perfect. So those people that that look at runs of fixtures like that and say, no, nope, we have to win every single game. There's no room for error. There's no uh, room for you know for for any slip ups. I think those are people that are just looking for something to beat the club up with, because at the end of the day, in, in, in you look at our position now, you look at the games we've got in hand, etc. If you think that Arsenal absolutely need to win all five of those games that Jid's mentioned, I'm talking about Brentford, Wolves, Watford, Leicester and Villa, then you are saying that you think or believe that both Manchester United and Tottenham are going to win every single one of their games as well. And we've seen already that that's not going to be the case. There is some room for error. OK, and and ideally you want to cash in when people slip up. And I thought it was huge, absolutely huge that we won at Wolves the other night because we took advantage uh, of a situation. But at the end of the day, this team is is far from being in a place where I look at every game and go guaranteed three points, guaranteed three points, guaranteed three points. I don't, you know, we're not Manchester City, you know, to be in that position. So, um, yeah. Um, What else have we got? Uh, I think that's all the members mailbag questions I have picked out. I will pick out. Uh, a couple of quick ones from the chat box as well. So drop a couple in there uh, for me for the last couple of minutes of the show. And don't forget, if you want to get involved in our members mailbag uh, episode, then please uh, do sign up, become a member, drop your questions in the Discord server. If I've missed some of your questions, I do apologize. I've tried to take uh, different questions from different people. The, the chat was full of other stuff, so I might have missed some as well uh, when I was scrolling through. So I do apologize for that. But keep filling them up every week and i'll get through as many of them as i possibly can maybe we'll get to a stage where we got so many that we need to do this twice a week um let's see uh what else we've got let's take this one from uh Ishialla. not a question but a statement you're a cronky and tetra apologist mate thank you very much uh, i'm not at all um i just i like to look at things fairly and i and i don't think it's fair to um to just always be critical, and I don't think it's fair to always be complimentary. I think, I think, my opinions and views on Cronky and Arteta they come from the right place, and and I say what I see and I say what I believe. There's no, let me be outraged for effect on this show, and some people like that, and it's the reason they're subscribed and it's the reason they keep coming back and watching and listening. And others don't like that and will call me an arteta or apologist or whatever they want to call me. That's absolutely fine. Everybody's entitled to an opinion. It's football. It's a game of opinions. Um, but, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Adam says, uh, who are you closest to at 90 min?" I'm, I'm close with all the guys, man. We've been working together for, for a while now. Um, I think of them all as friends rather than, than work colleagues. Um, obviously, look, the guys that you know, I speak to the most um, just because of the way it works with work. You know, I'm, I'm really close with uh, with Hainsey, um, really close with Scott, uh, Purdy as well, who does all the brilliant work behind the scenes. I uh, love Jakey. Uh, Boovy cracks me up every time. i got a lot of time for Grizz as well. Um, Hunter's brilliant too. Love them all, man. Love them all. I couldn't sit here and put them in a in an order uh, or a ranking, but they're all great guys. And, and that, to me, is is so important. You know, sometimes we don't always agree from a football perspective. Sometimes we take the piss out of each other on the show. That's the whole point of it. But um, got a lot of time and a lot of love for for all of them. They're they're fantastic. Every single one. I'm trying to rack my brain if I've missed anyone now and I'm going to look like a prat. Uh, no, all of them are there. Love them all. Love them all. Let's, uh, let's take a couple more. Tom says, why do some of our Arsenal fans uh see Saliba doing well on loan and turn it into an indictment on Arteta and Arsenal. Don't we want our players on loan to do well? Isn't that the point? Exactly. And that, if it means that they come back into the Arsenal team in a much better shape state, then it is, is good. You know, you want to see Saliba do well because it increases his chances of coming and doing well at Arsenal. I completely agree with you. And it, again, it's about this need, want, desire from from fans to have something to be pissed off about. If William Saliba comes in next season and looks brilliant, that will be down to the fact that he went out and played at Marseille for an entire season, a club where there's lots of pressure, where there's lots of jeopardy, where the spotlight is on you. And he's now more equipped to come in and do it somewhere like Arsenal. That will be because of that, not in spite of it. And I think it's just this classic thing where people want to have something to be upset about when ultimately um, it can, o- if it comes back and, and is, is much improved, then it's only a good thing. Uh, Wes Bird says, uh, so you are guaranteed top four every season. Um, oh, this is a question. OK, this is a, a scenario you are guaranteed top four every season and competing to win the league because Cronkies have put the investment in, but it comes at the cost of changing the club's name. Yes or no? No, you can't change the club's name. You can't. And, you know, somebody said, um, or or a few people commented on the show yesterday that, you know, were saying that I was a bit off the mark when I was talking about the whole comparison between American sports and and British sport. And I get that. I'm not the most clued up person on American sports. So, my opinions, are, I accept, and are not watertight. And I will, um, you know, understand that people see it in a different way. But I, I think, for me, you know, something like do you remember when Whole City got taken over and they wanted to become Whole City Tigers or whatever it was to um, to kind of tap up a global market. I don't like that kind of stuff. I, I'm a big believer in history and tradition, but I understand that in some worlds, you know, that's not a big thing. Like I don't like the fact that Juve changed their badge in Serie A. I don't like the fact that Inter done theirs either. I don't like things like that. I I like history. I like tradition. But from a marketing perspective, sometimes these people in these positions of power will feel differently. And I kind of, I've made peace with that. And that is part of the world now. And we just kind of got to accept it. But yeah, um, no, I don't want to see the name changed ever. Going to take one more. Uh, before I jump off. We will be back later today, by the way, at 5pm, uh, where we'll be talking about what happened at the Fans Forum. We'll be talking about Arsenal's summer plans, based on what Vinay Venkatesham had to say, the stadium refurbishment, the huge financial losses that Arsenal due to post, uh, some injury news uh, on a positive front, and uh, and the plans for the summer. So lots and lots to get into on that a little bit later on. Um but yeah, let's just take this uh, this last one. Um, who's your least favourite Arsenal player? What a question that is. Um, I, I never look at Arsenal players and say, I don't like you. Like, I, I don't want you in the team. Um, you know, I, I like them all because I, I support them all. That's the definition of a supporter. But there have been some players over the years I've looked at and gone, I, I, I don't really know why, why you're here. And I, I don't really know... Um, what it is you're doing. Like, I loved Mesut Ozil, but I started to dislike him after the way he acted. I mean, if you think back to kind of when Fabregas left and when Van Persie left and yeah, they said their bit in the media when probed and, and asked and, and prodded about their departures, but Mesut Ozil just started to kind of take the piss after he left. I don't like the way he he dealt with that. And, and so, although he brought a lot to the club, he's up there with the players who are kind of really switched off. Switched off of Emmy Martinez a little bit as well, um, just based on the fact that he, um, you know, he constantly talked about Arsenal afterwards and, and, and kind of, you know, he's a good goalkeeper, but he's put himself on this pedestal that I don't think he necessarily warrants. I mean, I don't think he's as good a goalkeeper as some people make out. He's made a lot of mistakes this season. For some reason, it's not being talked about Um, But I I just don't like people that are not humble and that are full of themselves and that feel wronged, but always want to talk about it and always want to like bring it back into the spotlight. I'm not. um, I'm not. I'm not a fan of that Uh, in terms of and Jid's added to the question. he's, He's saying that, you know, in terms of players that are not pulling their weight or being professional and he means current players. It's tough. Um, In terms of the current squad, I don't think there's any of those left, and that's what I'm pretty pleased about. Uh, I didn't like Aubameyang's attitude and the way he was carrying himself towards the end, and I don't like what he did. Um, And and so he's got to go in there as well. But in terms of professionalism, I think there's lots of that there now, and that's what Mikel Arteta wanted. Does professionalism always amount to talent? No, uh, it doesn't. You know, they're two separate entities, and sometimes the talent is so good that you have to maybe put up with a bit of a lack of professionalism in order to get the best out of your players and and, and out of your group and, and do what's best for the team. But yeah, the Obamiang thing was was obviously a big problem for me. Outside of that, I can't really think of anyone who I've, I've taken real issue with of late. Have I taken issue with certain moments, certain decisions, lack of talent in certain areas? Yeah, but not in terms of professionalism or, or a lack of wanting to pull their weight. But yeah, going to leave it there. Thank you uh, once again for tuning in to the members mailbag. Don't forget to hit the like button if you haven't done so already. Uh, Let's get up to 75 likes, if possible, between now and the end of the outro. And remember, we'll be back again later for more uh, Arsenal talk. And I'm looking forward to that one very, very much. Until next time. Goodbye. listening to the chronicles of aguda the arsenal podcast i'm martin tyler and you're listening to harry simeon